PTJ podcasts are made possible by the American Physical Therapy Association. This podcast is sponsored by Tempur-Pedic. Join Tempur-Pedic's professional program and get your free ProPack today. Free information plus free pillow with your first order, up to a $100 value. Call 800-510-8715 or send an email to professionals at T-E-M-P-U-R-P-E-D-I-C dot com. Welcome to PTJ's The Bottom Line for August 2010. I'm Donovan Stutel along with Dave Corvoisier. Bottom lines translate the findings of selected research articles for clinical practice. Bottom lines are not intended to substitute for a critical reading of the original articles. These bottom lines were written by the authors of their respective articles. Our first bottom line summarizes the influence of the therapist-patient relationship on treatment outcome in physical rehabilitation, a systematic review by Amanda Hall, Dr. Paolo Ferreira, Dr. Christopher Marr, Dr. Jane Latimer, and Dr. Manuela Ferreira. First, what do we already know about this topic? The therapeutic alliance between a patient and a treatment provider is positively correlated with treatment adherence and outcome in both general medicine and psychotherapy settings. What new information does this study offer? This systematic review found that a positive therapeutic alliance also consistently correlated with improved pain, disability, and treatment satisfaction in physical rehabilitation. However, the retrieved studies used a variety of alliance measures that were developed for use in psychotherapy and have not been tested for reliability and validity in physical rehabilitation. Development of measures validated for physical therapy settings have the potential not only to increase our understanding of interventions, but also to increase their effectiveness. If you're a patient, what might these findings mean for you? In order to maximize the benefits of physical therapy, a patient-centered approach is recommended as the basis for the development of a good working relationship between physical therapist and patient, with enhanced effectiveness of communication regarding specific tasks required to achieve treatment goals. Our next bottom line summarizes adherence to clinical practice guidelines for low back pain in physical therapy. Do patients benefit? By Dr. Gert Rutten. Saskia Dagen, Dr. Eric Hendricks, Dr. Jose Braspenning, Dr. Janneke Harting, and Dr. Rob Ostendorp. What do we already know about this topic? Although various evidence-based clinical guidelines for low back pain have been developed to enhance the effectiveness and efficiency of care, evidence that guideline-adherent care results in better health-related outcomes is inconclusive. What new information does this study offer? Adherence to the Dutch physical therapy guidelines for low back pain was measured with 25 quality indicators based on the guidelines' recommendations. The results showed that greater guideline adherence was associated with greater improvement in physical functioning, lower utilization of care, and fewer treatment sessions. If you're a patient, what might these findings mean for you? Patients with low back pain should be informed about evidence-based care in a comprehensible way. This enables them to ask for guideline-adherent care when they enter the physical therapy clinic. Our next bottom line summarizes real-time kinematic, temporospatial, and kinetic biofeedback during gait retraining in patients, a systematic review by Jeremiah Tate and Dr. Claire Milner. What do we already know about this topic? 
Over the past 30 years, many different types of real-time biofeedback have been used by both researchers and clinicians in the treatment of gait abnormalities in different patient groups. What new information does this study offer? This systematic review of published studies involving real-time kinematic, temporospatial, or kinetic biofeedback found consistent evidence of short-term improvements in gait. However, no conclusive evidence was found regarding the long-term effects of real-time biofeedback. If you're a patient, what might these findings mean for you? Some patients with specific gait abnormalities may benefit from the use of real-time biofeedback. However, patients should keep in mind that it is still unknown whether the short-term changes are retained in the longer term. Our next bottom line summarizes the cancer rehabilitation journey, barriers to and facilitators of exercise among patients with cancer-related fatigue by Janine Blaney, Dr. Andrea Lowe-Strong, Jane Rankin, Dr. Anna Campbell, Dr. James Allen, and Dr. Jackie Gracie. What do we already know about this topic? Despite evidence to suggest that participation in regular exercise can help manage cancer-related fatigue, few patients with cancer meet physical activity guidelines. The reasons behind this are not well understood. This study explored the barriers to and facilitators of exercise participation among patients with cancer-related fatigue. What new information does this study offer? Barriers to exercise participation are interlinked and often stem from the side effects of cancer treatment. Fatigue and physical deconditioning were identified as major barriers that contributed to patients' lack of interest in exercise and motivation to exercise, as well as their difficulties in exercise participation and in making exercise a routine. Facilitators of exercise included programs that were group-based, supervised, individualized, and gradually progressed. If you're a patient, what might these findings mean for you? Identifying personal barriers and adopting practical strategies to overcome such barriers will aid exercise participation, which may ultimately decrease the experience of fatigue and physical deconditioning associated with a cancer diagnosis. Our last bottom line summarizes reference values for aerobic fitness in children, adolescents, and young adults who have cerebral palsy and are ambulatory. By Dr. Olaf Verschuren, Manon Blumen, Professor Kass Krutwagen, and Dr. Tim Tocken. What do we already know about this topic? The progression of aerobic performance using a shuttle run test has been well established in individuals without disabilities. What new information does this study offer? This study provides data regarding aerobic performance in children and adolescents with cerebral palsy using a reliable and valid field test that is easy to administer, the 10-meter shuttle run test. If you're a patient or a caregiver, what might these findings mean for you? Comparing the result from the 10-meter shuttle run test with the reference values can be used to 1. Indicate relative weaknesses 2. Determine improvement over time with adjustment for natural development 3. Enable the patient to assess the success of the training program 4. Place the patient in the appropriate training group and 5. Motivate the patient Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Science Audio, online at www.scienceaudio.net. We always appreciate your feedback. 
You can email ptj at scienceaudio.net or leave a voicemail at 626-593-7825.